promise, Lord, never again. But I also know that you know what a weak willed person I am. Regret this, Lord. I'm a wonderful person. Hello and welcome back to the Tread Weary Podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Carlton Smee, and this is the audio arm of TreadWeary.com. It's where we gather to dig into God's Word as much as we can. And uh, these last few months, we've been going through slowly the Gospel of John. We're, we're, we're over halfway through, so you should feel you know, like you've, you've had some successes in life right? Um, But we are in John chapter 11. And what we've been doing as we've been going through the gospel of John is we've been wanting to take a look at it from the the scope of worship. We've been wanting to understand how the gospel of John, how reading the scriptures, for instance, can help us better understand our ability and or inability to be worshipers how in in John 4 God talks about creating worshipers that that God is going to be making worshipers and so worship being the the culmination of the work of God upon us and if you've paid attention at all through through this time if you've been with us last week we took the time to really dissect the section dealing where with the shortest verse in the Bible Jesus wept where many People try to think of it as, well, oh, he is verklempt. Oh, he's so sad that Lazarus is dead, which, which he is. But even more so, we discovered that, that the way that we translate a particular word, that, that we usually have it translated as deeply moved or, or, or whatever, really is not what the word means. What the word really means is indignant, angry, spoke harshly. Uh, uh, that it, it's it's not a happy word, and it's not a a an emotional word of of sadness as much as it is a word of true frustration. And and here we saw that that over the course of John's narration of the gospel story, we see Jesus getting angry and frustrated because he's speaking and he's teaching and he's wanting to make sure that people understand who he is, why he's there, what he is going to be doing, and people are not listening. They're not listening at all. And so we took, a, you can go back and listen to our episode from last week where I kind of outlined the, the places where, where he's getting frustrated by this. And so he comes to, he comes to Bethany and he First, before he even gets to Bethany, his his disciples don't get it. That he says that that uh, you know Lazarus is sick. Jesus doesn't go right away. Then he finally goes after he hears that Lazarus has died, or that he knows that Lazarus has died, and and he tells his disciples, "Well, he's fallen asleep." And then they go, "Well, if he's fallen asleep, he's going to get better." And he has to say, "No, he's dead, and I'm going to go wake him up." And then they begin to think that, "Oh, well, he's going to go and commit revolution." Yeah. No, he, he's going to go and do an amazing work. 
And then he he gets confronted with Martha, and Martha says, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And she doesn't understand the reason why he waited so that he would come and prove his statement that he is the resurrection, the life, the one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. And then he gives the opportunity for Martha to be the preacher and go and proclaim that message to Mary, and she doesn't. Instead, she lies to Mary and says, the teacher is here and is calling for you, which is not true. Jesus wasn't calling for her unless you want to say that, well, now Mary needs to come and hear Jesus preach. And and uh, he doesn't, though, because she shows up and she gives the same response. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. That's John eleven thirty two. And it says, when Jesus saw her crying and the Jews who had come with her crying, my translation says he was deeply moved. I looked it up in the NIV. I looked it up in the ESV. I looked it up in the NRSV. I looked it up in, in all these different translations. And they basically translate it the same thing when when it actually is. He is deeply angry. He's, he's, he's frustrated. He's, he's indignant in his spirit and troubled, like, like water being stirred. He's just like... Ugh. And so he finally just says, where have you put him? Like, seriously, come on. And so they said, well, come and see. And then he weeps, but it's not like wailing. It's tears running down his face. It's, it's, it's uh, you know, the, the joke being that, that guys, if they see something that makes them want to cry, they go, well, there's some dust in the air. You know, his, his eyes were welling up with tears because he's frustrated. He's, he's thinking about the fact that, that he's going to die. He's thinking about the fact that he's trying to explain to people that, that they're going to die and they need rescue from death. He, he's, he's frustrated that people are not listening to what it is that he has to say. And then they say, oh, see how he loved him. And that's how we try to interpret Jesus wept, which is not the case. That's not the case at all. It's the case that, that Jesus weeps. He, he, he has tears flow because he's just frustrated because people are not listening. And so then they, they totally slam him. Couldn't he who opened the, bl- the blind man's eyes also have kept this man from dying? And so he's, he's beyond, just beyond. And so we're going to pick it up from there at verse 38, John chapter 11, verse 38, and we're going to be going down to verse 45. And I'm going to be reading again of the Christian Standard Bible. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone was lying against it. Remove the stone, Jesus said. Martha, the dead man's sister, told him, Lord, there's already a stench because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they removed the stone. Then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. I know that you always hear me, because of, but because of the crowd standing here, I said this so that they may believe you sent me. After he said this, he shouted with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! The dead man came out, bound hand and foot with linen strips and with his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, unwrap him and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who came to Mary and saw what he did believed in him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And let us pray. Gracious God, we do ask that you'd un- unbind our ears, our eyes, our hearts, that we might look into your word, that we might hear it, and that we might be released. In your name we pray. Amen.
Well, again, we have that word again. Then Jesus deeply moved again, actually indignant, angry, frustrated. Why? Verse 37. We already talked about it. Couldn't he who opened the blind man's eyes also have kept this man from dying? And it's like, dude, what lack of faith. And he gets frustrated. And it's not just in John. We, we see it in Luke. We see it in Matthew. We see it in Mark. Jesus getting frustrated at the lack of faith, especially of the religious people, the people who study the scriptures for a living, the people who, who teach, who should know, and they don't. And so he's frustrated, he's angry, and he comes to the tomb, and it says it was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. You almost wonder, Jesus being God, being able to see the future and know what was going to happen, I wonder what that would do to him. Looking at that going, that's going to be me in just a few days. That's not going to go well. And so he says, remove the stone. It's, it's interesting that this isn't the... Uh, the, the first experience that Christ has had with Mary and Martha. And this isn't the first time in which uh, he's had to remove some stones. You can go back to Luke chapter 10, where he is at uh, Martha and Mary's house. And it's, it's that passage where Martha is talking about, you know, or Martha is, is about doing a whole bunch of stuff. She's, she's cooking, she's cleaning, she's she's entertaining. She's, she's doing all these things. And Mary's just sitting there at Jesus' feet. And she gets mad that Mary's sitting at Jesus' feet and says, you know, teacher, tell, tell my sister to get up and, and do the dishes, seriously. And Jesus says, no, she, there's, there's one thing necessary. And Mary has chosen that. You are too worried about so many other things, Martha. And so it is there that in, in a sense, Christ is rolling a stone away. More on that in a moment. Martha, the dead man's sister, told him, Lord, he stinketh. That's a King James. <laughs> Lord, there's already a stench because he has been dead four days. That's Martha again. She, she has no problem telling it like it is. She has no problem with that. And you can see Jesus getting so frustrated even more. Because see, you, you can't read the Jesus wept section, that, that Jesus wept portion by itself as some sort of just anomaly, unless you read everything else around it. And what you start to see is that here he's going, okay, take me to see him. And he weeps because they say, okay, come and see. And then they want to think, oh, he loved him, but oh, he couldn't do what he, what he was able to do with other people. And so Jesus gets angry. And then he says, remove the stone. And Martha being Martha says, but he's going to stink. It's, it's going to smell really bad. Jesus, you shouldn't do that. And he's getting frustrated again. And then he finally just said, didn't I tell you that if you believed or you trusted, remember, we, we take that word believe and we want to put in there trust, trusted, you would see the glory of God or the power of God, the majesty of God. Didn't I tell you that if you trusted me, you would see the power of God? That's That verse Verse 40, here in chapter 11, is the basis for trying to understand this whole chapter here. Trying to understand why he delayed. Why he gets frustrated with the disciples. Why he gets frustrated with Martha. Why he gets frustrated with Mary. Why he gets frustrated with the Jews. Why, it's, I, I told you, if you would believe, if you would trust me, you would see the power of God. 
And this whole story is not about us trying to believe. It's not about, well, if you would just have faith, things would go well. That's not what this is about at all. What this section is about is the fact that we don't. That we don't. We don't believe. We don't trust like we ought to. And so we have to have the power of God. We have to have this this glory of God come upon us to do something. That's the whole basis of, of Treadweary and what we're doing here. It's the basis of, of, of Mockingbird and 1517 and all these other organizations that we're starting to try and make the gospel as relevant and as purposeful as we can. Because here, Jesus is saying, if you would believe, you'd see the power of God. But now I'm going to have to do it so that you might believe. Do you catch that? Like, like people aren't believing, and so he's going to raise this man from the dead so that they might believe. It, it, it's, it, it is this, well, if you would believe, you'd see the power of God. And so instead, he uses the power of God in order that they might believe. And how it is that we need that, that, that our faith does not rest on our ability to trust. Our faith does not rest on our ability to believe, but it rests on the power of God coming upon us, the glory of God. Well, so they removed the stone. Then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. This is like a, a, a needle for everybody around there that were not listening. It's like, okay, God, at least, Father, at least you heard me. No one else heard me. I wept because no one is listening to me. I, I, I'm getting frustrated. I'm getting indignant. I'm getting, I'm getting quote unquote, deeply moved in my spirit. I'm troubled in my spirit, but at least you heard me. You heard what I said. I know that you always hear me, but because of the crowd standing here, I said this so that they may believe you sent me. If we go back to chapter 9 and and verse 31, where where he, uh, this is Jesus has healed a man born blind. And it's, it's one of those things within the scriptures that it's this question of, well, God only hears saints. God only hears the godly. God only hears the God-fearing. God doesn't hear sinners. God doesn't hear the, the, the dirty, the ugly, the gross, the, the vile, the wicked. He only hears the good people, the righteous people. Well, Jesus, in some respects, is saying, you heard me. No one else heard me. They're not listening to me let alone are they the ones crying out to you. But you are hearing me, and you always do, because I am fearing you for them. Jesus being us when we can't be us. Jesus uh, being the one who is, is loving God and fearing God for us, because we can't. Well, after he says this, he shouted with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Do you catch the wording here? Do you catch that first he speaks and then he makes the caveat, but because of the crowd standing here, I said this, that I've spoken these things. And then they they roll the stone away and he shouts with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. How often it is, church, that we remove words from the importance of our faith. 
how often it is that that we we make faith some sort of inner feeling we make it some sort of like burning in the bosom like like the mormons do we 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 make it some sort of well i just felt it in my deepest part of me when when the reality is is that faith comes by hearing as as paul tells us in romans 10 that that God created the world by speaking it into existence. And here Jesus, more often than not, does miracles in which he just proclaims something and it happens. This, this speaking, this, this necessity for a preacher, we've talked about this before. This necessity for, for having someone speak to us and do something that comes from outside of us, this, this, this word coming into our ear that we might believe that that word is true. And so Christ shouts out, Lazarus, come out, and he is able to awaken Lazarus with that word, making life out of death. It's not about my ability because Lazarus was dead. It wasn't as though Lazarus was able to raise himself. He had to have Jesus come to him outside of him to raise him up. It is the same for us in all portions of our faith, that God comes to us outside of us to to raise us, to give us life, something that happens outside of us, not something that we yearn for, not some sort of inner feeling that we get, some sort of warm fuzzy it's it's god coming to us and doing an amazing work in us of raising us from the dead even when we think we're alive verse 44 the dead man came out bound hand and foot with linen strips and with his face wrapped in a cloth and jesus said to them i'm gonna wrap him and let him go what the what the uh, what what the translation really says is unbind him loose him He's been bound by the chains of death and release him. Now, church, to take this into a worship perspective, we, we've talked already about the necessity of a preacher, the, the fact that the reason why sermons and the word of God are so central to our services is because we need to hear God speaking, that, that as pastors, we should be digging into the word and looking at it not to be clever, not to be uh, on the, you know, on the news, not to, to be provocative. We should be looking at it and going, my job is to take this word that has been spoken and hand it to my people on a sl- silver platter, to, to hand over the goods, as Dr. Nestigan says. And, and part of that work is quite literally the raising of the dead. The, the, the fact that there are people sitting in our pews, sitting in our society right now, bound hand and foot, by anxieties over a pandemic, by, by fears over unemployment and being able to take care of their families, by, by fears over the future of what the world's going to look like, that there are, that there are people bound by addiction, that there are people bound by, by, by pornography, that there are people that are, are, are bound by abusive relationships, that there's, there's all these things that are holding people down. On top of it all, our inability to love God, our inability to trust, our, our lack of faith. And, and so we are in need of Christ to come from outside of us and proclaim a word into our ears that, that, that the Holy Spirit opens our ears and we, we hear this word from Christ and we trust it to be true and it unbinds us. So, so I ask you, and if you're a pastor, 
listening to this, which I, I highly doubt most pastors have, have tuned me out uh, probably a few months ago. Um, but, but every portion of our worship services should be about this work here in verse 44. It should, it should be about everything from beginning to end should be sitting here going, there are people sitting in my pews right now that are dead and that need to be raised to new life in Jesus Christ, that need to remember their baptism, that, that Paul tells us in Romans 6, that we've been buried with Christ in baptism and raised to new life, that, that we've been drowned in Jesus, that we are supposed to be dead and raised to new life, that, that we are dead in trespasses and sins, Ephesians 2, but we need to be raised to new life. And so I would ask each of us for our worship. Is our worship just about the warm fuzzies that we get? Is it, is it about, well, that really felt good. I got to sing the songs I wanted to sing. I got to, to do the dance I wanted to do. I got to hear the scriptures. And, oh, I left so uplifted. Or is it about quite literally the putting to death of the sinner and the raising to new life the saint? Is that what our worship should be? Because isn't that how our worship, is, uh, how, how our eyes and our ears and our hearts get turned towards Christ? Is Christ doing that? Unbinding us, r- removing from us the chains of death, removing from us the chains of sin, removing from us the chains of, of, of Satan, and, and handing us over to God saying, look what I have for you, Father. It took Jesus this, this whole chapter of all these frustration, all this preaching, and he finally gets this work done, and finally it says many of the Jews who came to Mary and saw what he did believed in him, trusted him, trusted that when he says, I am the resurrection and the life, he's not lying, trusted that when he says, Lazarus, come out, Lazarus is going to come out, trusted that they would see the power of God, trusted all these things. And it's something that we have to pray for regularly because without it, we're not going to trust. We're not going to believe. Well, I hope that as you go through this week, especially in the midst of this pandemic, and especially in the midst of being removed from the worship experience that we have, being removed from, from that, that time in which quite often we are given our warm fuzzies, I, I pray that the work that is being done by your pastor, that the work that is being done by your church is something that somehow through it all, through internet services, through Zoom calls, through whatever, that the dead are being raised. That, that Christ is coming into our midst and creating worshipers and using every portion of our worship to put us to death and raise us to new life in him. That would be my hope. Well, with that, we'll be finishing up chapter 11 uh, this next week. And then I will be taking a break for a couple of uh, a few weeks. Um, I'm in the midst of a transition from one call to another. I will be starting a new call in, in July, which means I'll be taking on a new church in July and so I'm going to be taking a little bit of vacation in June, uh, and and there may not be a podcast here. There might be. I don't know. It depends on how bored I get. <laughs> but but um, my prayers and my hopes are for you as as uh, as beloved children of God, that God's work would continue to work in you, to raise you to life, to unbind you from the things that are holding you fast. But with that, I hope that this week it goes well with you.
and go with the blessings of God upon you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.